Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Well, we've been um, on a journey uh, which we started. This is part three, uh, which we called the mystery of the altar. The mystery of the altar. And this is part three of the mystery of the altar. If you have missed any of the parts, I would encourage you to please make sure you, you get the information as we build um, towards uh, the altar on the 30th. This understanding is key towards that. Father, please bless your word and, and bring revelation to it, Heavenly Father. Uh, let it challenge us. Let it position us. Uh, let it do that and more, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before I, before I, I go on, I want to read uh, uh, something about a conversation that took place in a family. I, I wouldn't say the names um, of the children, so I'll, I'll use an initial to describe it. Uh, it, it. It brought a smile to my face. So after last, the last uh, Sunday service, uh, last Sunday, what did, what did we talk about? The what? The ultimate altar. Yeah, the rest of you, what did we talk about? <laughs> the ultimate altar. So after um, last Sunday, this, this is a service that took place with a family in the hub, in the Greenwich hub. And, and a shout out to all of you at the Greenwich hub. Um, so the, the, the dad said when the family was together, uh, let's use the initial J. Uh, J, what did you learn from today's service? And then Jay goes into a lecture. This, 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 this Jay child is about 10 or 11 years old, by the way. Goes into a lecture. Today we were talking about altars. And I learned that the cross is the ultimate altar because Jesus paid the ultimate price by sacrificing his life on the cross for us. After what, after what happened with Adam and Eve, we needed a bridge between us and God. Jesus helped provide us this bridge by dying for our sins. That's a 10, 11 year old. That's serious. That is serious. Some of you say, hey. Is that what he said last week? So the dad, you know, kind of, you know, provides clarifications and amplifies it. And then I says, well done, Jay. I'm very impressed. And I see that you listen to the service. And then the, the dad turns to, let's, let's say this is T. What did you learn from today's service, T? The dad says. T adjusts to a confident posture and then says the same thing as J. <laughs> the true story, true story. T is about five. <laughs> you can tell that child is going places. <laughs> Amen. John, the 19th chapter. John, the 19th chapter. Verses 28 to 30. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the, scriptures, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. 
So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. There are five phrases that I just want to talk to you about for a few minutes. Because this was the end of what happened on the ultimate altar. This was the altar and the sacrifice. It wasn't the sacrifice of an animal. It was the sacrifice of the son of God. His only begotten son. So it wasn't the sacrifice of an animal. It was the sacrifice of the son of God. It wasn't any altar that was built with stones. It was an altar that was built with two trees that made a cross. And this was at the end of a series of things that started at the Garden of Gethsemane as it ramped up um, his arrest, his trial, the tussles that Pontius Pilate faced, a crowd that deserted him and rather chose for freedom a known hardened criminal that went through the scourging that he faced at the hands of the soldiers, his back lacerated by the Roman whip, the crown of thorns pierced into his head, the soldiers gambling for his clothes as he was stripped literally naked. Eventually, he's hanged on the cross, nails driven into his hands and into his feet. And that's where we now come to this end. Where Jesus, knowing that all things were accomplished, he asks, he says, I thirst. He's giving some sour vinegar. He declares it is finished. He bows his head and he gives up his spirit. In these five phrases are deep spiritual truths that will help you understand what an altar is today for a New Testament believer. Whether it's an altar in your home an altar in your office, an altar where we gather in church, or the altar where we meet on the 30th. Five phrases. The first one was where the Bible declares that all things were now accomplished. It means that the Bible is saying that there was a purpose, an end game. There was a destination that needed to be reached, a point that needed to be reached. And the Bible is declaring there that that point has been reached. It was necessary for for certain things to be fulfilled. And when the final thing was fulfilled, the scripture could declare that all things are now accomplished. And he himself had declared that this was the case. If If you remember in Luke 12 verse 50, He declares as he sees the end game, he calls it a baptism. And it was a baptism of suffering and pain. And he declared there that it hasn't yet been accomplished. But by the time we arrive at these last few verses, he's declaring that it's been accomplished. I've done it all. My back has been lacerated for a reason. So that you and I can say by his stripes we are healed. A spear has been thrust into my side and my blood has spilt. I've borne the pain. 
I've borne the wrath of God. I've literally paid the price so I can declare that all things have now been accomplished. QED. So that's the first thing that must settle in our hearts and our spirits. That all things have been accomplished. Go on, somebody declare it. All things have been accomplished for me. The second thing is his, these two words, I thirst. Now, that should arrest your attention. Because when his back was lacerated, we never heard him cry, I'm in pain. But how many know he was in pain? When the spear was thrust into his side, we never heard him say, I'm wounded. But how many know he was wounded? When everything was done to him, he never responded how you and I would expect him to respond. And the first time that he was offered some liquid that would dull the pain, he refused because he had to endure the pain. But now, because all things have been accomplished, he can declare, I thirst. Now he declares that I thirst for a number of reasons. The first and obvious one is that scripture might be fulfilled. Even, on his, even hanging on the cross at the point of his death, he still had to send a message to us about the supremacy of scripture. That above everything else, this is the most important thing, scripture. And so scripture had to be fulfilled the scriptures that had declared in more than one place that he would, be, he would be thirsty at this time had to be fulfilled. Psalms 69 verse 25, one of the, 21, one of the Messianic scriptures. They also gave me gall for my food and for my thirst he gave me vinegar to drink. And so in the midst of the pain, he sends a message to us that scripture must always be fulfilled. That's what encourages us as Christians. What the Bible has said about you has to happen. You know, it, it's, it's the word of God. Go on, say that slowly. The word. Say it again, slower. One more time, slower. Do you know that some people put more premium on the word of their pastor, on the word of their bishop? On the word of their overseer. On the word of their archbishop. Some people put more premium on the word of their husband. And these are men that are likely to fail you at some point. This is the word of God. It's the promise of God. So he said, I thirst that the word of God might be fulfilled. He said, I thirst also. So that no one would ever have to be thirsty again. Don't forget it was a substitution that took place. So in, in the substitution he had to identify with everything. So that he could have taken it upon himself. So that you and I don't have to. So he says I thirst. And not a natural thirst. 
but a spiritual one. He literally brought to fulfillment something he himself had already prophesied. In John 4 verses 13 and 14. As he said to the woman at the well, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. That's physical water. But whoever drinks of the water, water that I shall give him will never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So because of that, he said, I thirst so that you and I can have everlasting life. He also said, I thirst to help us understand the price that he was paying. For in saying I thirst, he was literally saying, I've been abandoned by God. Because that thirst was not a natural thirst. It, it had its natural expression. But the deeper expression of I thirst is, I'm not, my, my thirst, my hunger for the first time is not being filled by my father. And if there's anything that must have caused heartache for Jesus, more than the nails, more than the whips, more than being stripped of everything, it was that one thing that for the first and last time, his father turned his face away from him. And so when he cried out, in a loud voice, as the Bible says in Matthew 27 verse 46. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was the cry of abandonment. And he became abandoned to identify with you and I. So that in our abandoned state, he rightly, justly could rescue us and reconcile us to God. God withdrew from him. And because God withdrew from him, he said, I thirst. I've never been here before. At a place where I have called to my father and he has not responded. The question you and I have to ask, what would drive him to pay that price? Then you begin to understand the measure of love that God has for you and I. Number three, he said it is finished. Now that it is finished wasn't a whimper. It was not said in a whisper, defeat or resignation, driving it. Believe me, it is finished was a proclamation, a declaration, the cry of a victor, the cry of a conqueror, a proclamation of freedom. It was a triumphant cry. It is finished. A cry that declared that our debt has been paid in full. It is finished continues to speak into our lives. It declared firstly concerning altars that the dispensation of a particular expression concerning altars where animals were sacrificed on altars that were built by stone by the hands of men was finished. 
Now there was no longer any need for all that ritual. It was finished. It also declared that the power of Satan, sin and death is finished. And it allows me to become an echo of what was declared triumphantly. Because it is finished, I can be more than a conqueror because it was a conqueror's cry. It is finished, I am victorious because it was a victor's cry. It is finished, I am free because it was a cry that declared my freedom. It is finished. And so, when the enemy comes like a flood, I can declare to those negative thoughts, it is finished. I can declare to the cycle of sadness and sorrow, it is finished. I can declare to the thoughts of death, it is finished. I can declare to sickness, it is finished. I can de declare to failure, it is finished. I can declare to defeat, it is finished. I can declare to that addiction, it is finished. I can say I'm not held bound because it is finished. I can say to those lies, you can't and you won't because it is finished. Because he declared, it is finished. That's a powerful phrase in prayer that the enemy fears when there's revelation back in it. Where you draw a line for the enemy and say it is finished. Don't cross this line. Number four. He bows his head. And I love that particular expression. He bows his head. You see, because it was he bowed his head. The circumstances didn't bow his head. He bowed his head. It wasn't death that bowed his head. Because you and I know that with resurrection, death was conquered. He bowed his head. His bowing of his head was a powerful symbolic picture of the fact that it is finished. Bowing his head is, was, is the equivalent of you and I resting after we have finished an assignment. He lives forevermore. So of course he didn't bow his head in death. He bowed his head like you and I would sleep after we finished an assignment. He bowed his head in peace. That's why for the child of God, you can declare peace be still. Because he bowed his head in peace. And the last phrase, he gave up his spirit. <laughs> he gave up his spirit. His spirit wasn't taken from him. And for him to give up his spirit, what was he signifying? The closure of one chapter and the start of another. You see, he needed to give up his spirit so that the spirit could come into you and I. He needed to give up his spirit here so that he could close the chapter here and go to the next phase where he's seated on the right hand of God where principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and everything that is named is under him. He needed to give up his spirit. He says in John 10 verses 17 to 18, Therefore my father loves me because I, I lay down my life. I lay it down 
He was in absolute control. That's why that phrase that, that my pastor, Dr. Onuzo, says is one that I love. That there are no two control towers in life. No, 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 no. Two control towers vying for, to, to, to decide where the plane lands. No, no, no. Where you, where you go, what happens to you? Absolutely not. There's only one control tower in life. And that control tower is in heaven. Satan is, does not have the power to control. That's why incidentally, as a digression, I have total contempt for death. Not afraid of death. I mean, how can a Christian be afraid of death? It's, it's a contradiction. If a Christian is afraid of death. What are you afraid of? Where you're going? That means you don't know where you're going. Or you don't believe. Because you know, somebody can say, those chariots on streets of gold, just leave me to get on bus 82 on the pothole pot London roads. Or what's still toy or no roads at all in some parts of the world. Just leave me, leave me, leave me. This is the streets of gold. I'm not sure. That's, we, don't, we don't know where we're going. And most Christians haven't studied where they're going. That's why we don't live with an eye on eternity. I mean, so, so, so somebody will say, leave me here at all costs. In a two-bedroom house that Halifax owns. Even though I called them to come and Join, join with me to thank God for my new house. But Halifax owns 96%. I own 4% in real terms. Leave me here. This thing about mansions that are built with no mortgage. I will stay here and pay the mortgage. See, we, we don't understand. So we can't, we, we Christians are not where, they are where the apostle was. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Can you imagine him saying that? Say to die is gain, gain. Most Christians are afraid to utter it. If I tell all of you to utter it, half of you won't. Ah, don't follow this man. No. This is, that is gain. Just in case they collect me. They say I agreed to go. It's gain. Most of you, can't, you won't say it. But for me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. So I live because of the purpose that God has for me here on earth. Once the purpose is finished, off I go to my mansion. So as long as I'm here, there's purpose. They once they decide there's no more purpose, off I go. And I'm not afraid of where I'm going. I've been with people who have died knowing where they are going and people who have died sadly not knowing where they were going. The difference is like chalk and cheese. When you're with people who die, and I've been there a few times, knowing where they are going, there's a certain peace they actually start to tell you of a beautiful city that they see. It's an, it's an amazing experience. When you're with people who are not sure, there's so much fear. They start to tell you about having dreams of funny things that have come. Yes, so the things have come to usher them in. Yeah, 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 that's how it works. You're always ushered in. You don't go on your own. No, no, no. They come to take you. So when you don't know Christ, the people who come to take you, you don't want to see them. That's why they can't sleep. They're afraid. Because when they sleep, they see the people who have come to pack your things. We are going. <laughs> but when you're a child of God, when they come to take you, it's such an amazing experience. With peace, you go. Because your assignment is finished. To live is Christ. To die is gain. 
Somebody say, this church, please, let me find where they are speaking prosperity. Please. Ah, this man, to leave his, why is he talking about dying, dying? Let me go to where they say, where they say, they say money comet, come into my account. So I can't follow this man on this journey. He said, I laid down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, he said. No one. But I laid down myself. I have the power to lay it down. And I have the power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. So he says, the Bible says he gave up the spirit. Incidentally, talking about life and death. I just need you not to be afraid of death. Too many Christians are afraid of death. You phone the, phone the intercessors at 12 midnight. I saw a coffin. And so? <laughs> so it was floating around. That's why you woke us up. <laughs> Please go to sleep. <laughs> they don't have that power. If you see someone dying, it's a very... It's, 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 I mean, what happens is that the person takes one breath and breathes out and they die. Do you know why that happens? <laughs> this is how you know Satan is not powerful. We live because God puts his breath in us. So, God puts breath in you. When your time is up, God inhales in heaven over your life. He inhales. When he inhales, he calls his breath back. That's why you exhale. Your breath goes back to him and then you die. Satan cannot call breath he did not put in you back. He can't do it. It's not possible for him to do it. So he cons us to think that he has those powers. He can't inhale. Do you know how many times Satan has inhaled around me? He's sniffing around me. The more he inhales, the stronger I get. Because it has nothing to do with him. The one who gave me breath, when he inhales, when my assignment is over, when he inhales, I will breathe out and go. So please rest easy. All these people calling you, creating fear around you. The, your auntie is chasing you from your village. Your uncle is trying to kill you. You're, you spend the whole time chasing uncle and aunties, uh, flying around on a broom and all kinds of... Uh, what is all that? What, what kind of madness is this? this are, you're a Christian. Huh? You're not a pagan. You're a Christian. This is madness. So, of course, you can't face the assignment. Because the auntie, the uncle, the, you know, some ministries have, they've built a ministry around fear. Everything is fear, 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 fear. Huh? You saw all these things. You didn't see that somebody blessed me. What kind of ministry are you? Please go and have another vision that somebody blessed me. I'm tired of you telling me somebody was chasing me. Somebody is chasing me. Somebody has waited for me. Somebody is doing this. I remember one in this church, I walked out. Once this I came to me, oh, pastor, pastor, in panic. See, I saw, I saw an accident on this, on this flyover. The, the car drove off and you were in it. I said, me. <laughs> it's true. In this Red Sea corridor. I said, me. Agu. I said, no. It was not me you saw. <laughs> I said, you have to go and ask them to play that dream again so you can look well and see who you saw. Because this Agu, it was not him you saw. I didn't even bother to pray. You saw me. Are you the one who gave me the assignment? I said, you better go and look inside. I said, tell them to replay that dream. Sleep tonight and tell them to replay. Then look well for who you saw because Agu Ruku, it wasn't him. He gave up his spirit. Hallelujah. 
It's wonderful to be a child of God. It's wonderful to be a child of God. Wonderful to be a child of God. <laughs> your shield and your buckler. Your strong tower. Your ever-present help in times of trouble. Your help in times past. Your help in times to come. Your rare guard. Your Lord. Your Savior. Your Master. Your Redeemer. Your Rock. Your fortress. That's who we serve. Not any ordinary God. The ancient of days. The lion of the tribe of Judah. The rose of Sharon. The lily of the valley. The first and the last. The I am that I am. The ever present God. The all seeing God. The all knowing God. The king of all kings. The lord of all lords. That's who we serve. The God who answers by fire. The many-breasted God. The God who is more than enough. The God who said to the proud waves, thus far and no further, and they obeyed. The God who set the foundations of the earth, not the creation of the hands of men. The God who brought water out of the rock. The God who took a whole nation through the Red Sea on dry ground. Not the God of an iPad or an iPhone. The God we serve is the I am that I am. Yesterday, today, the same forever. That's the God that we serve. Sometimes we forget that that's the God that we serve. And I am privileged to call him Father. Not just Father, Abba Father. And guess what that God says? He says that I am the apple of his eye. I am his beloved. I am precious to him. Satan, bring it on if you know what is good for you. Don't worry about me, but look at who is behind me. That is who you have to fear. You know, I remember that old song. I have a God who never fails. I have a God who never God will help you people to follow me, to, to hear, understand, speak the same language. Who never fails, who never fails forevermore. I have a God who never fails. It's impossible. I have a God who never fails. I have a You're, the way you're dancing, I'm not sure you understand what is happening. You know, when you have a God who never fails, your dance shows that you have a God who never fails. That's it. Jesus never fails. That's it. Jesus never Graham, well done. Fails. Go on, declare it. I have a God. I have a God who never fails. I have a God. 
the Lord has done for me. I, I cannot tell you all what the Lord has done for me. I cannot tell you all what the Lord has done for me. I cannot tell you all. He saved me and washed me. That's what he did at the altar. What the Lord has done for me. I cannot tell it all. What the Lord has done for me. What he has done. I cannot tell it all. What the Lord has done for me. I cannot tell it all. He saved me and washed me in blood. You know, you know, sometimes, sometimes we can sing and be detached. Sometimes you go to church and you know what is going on is some exercise. People are burning calories, but there's no connection. When you, when you say what the Lord has done for you, please remember what he has done. Think back and remember. You know, nobody can tell the story like you. I can't, you can't tell my story. I know what he has done for me. Some of it I've shared, a lot of it I haven't shared. You know what he has done for you. So when you sing this song, let, let it be that you are really saying what God has done. And you know, the Bible says we shouldn't boast, but the apostle says if we boast, we should boast in God. So let your boast be in God. What the Lord has done, what the Lord has done for me, I cannot tell you the Lord has done, what the Lord has done for me. Go on if you're on the Greenwich Hub, all the way in Greenwich. What the Lord has done for you, you cannot tell it all. He saved me and washed me. What's the biggest thing? So I can, so I can shout. I can shout hallelujah. I can shout praise the Lord. So I can shout hallelujah. I can shout hallelujah, I can shout, praise the Lord, so I can shout hallelujah, I can shout hallelujah, I can shout, 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 praise the Lord, so I can shout hallelujah, I can shout For me, go on. I cannot tell it all. What the Lord has done. I want you to post to somebody as I realize things. I want you to say to somebody, see what the Lord has done. Tell them, see what the Lord has done. Go on. Tell them, see what the Lord has done. Tell them, see what my God has done. Tell them. See what the Lord has done. I cannot tell it all. He saved me. Go and find another person. You have to boast. You have to boast. Tell somebody. Tell them. See what the Lord has done. Tell them I'm standing. See what my God has done. Tell them. See what the Lord has done. Tell them. See what my God has done. 
See what the Lord has done. I cannot tell it all. He saved me. Now listen. Listen, 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 listen. You see, you can't be saying, you know, that it is finished was not a whimper. It wasn't resignation. So you can't be saying, see what the Lord has done, like he has broken you. Please give it some attitude. See what the Lord has done. Please, can you give some attitude, please? I beg you. If you, if you don't, if you can't give attitude, look at me. Look at me. See what God has done. Go on, tell them. What the Lord has done. Tell somebody with attitude. See what the Lord has done. Tell them. See what my God has done. Tell them. See what the Lord has done. Tell them. See what my God has done. Tell somebody. See what the Lord has done. I cannot tell it all. He saved me. One more time. You have to tell somebody with attitude. Tell them. See what the Lord has done. Tell them. See what my God has done. Tell them. See what my God has done. Tell them. See what my God has done. See what the Lord has done. I cannot tell it all. He saved me and washed me. So I can shout. I can shout. seated it is finished hallelujah all heads bowed if there's anyone who hasn't given their life to Jesus online at the Greenwich Hub or here he's knocking on the door of your heart don't let it be that that has just been excitement receive the spiritual truths by opening the door of your heart. Slip your hand up. If you're in this place, slip your hand up. And then if you're online, please, the QR code. That just, just by clicking, you're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. In the Greenwich Hub, slip your hand up. 
if you want to give your life to Jesus. Father, we stand with the new members of our family as they indicate but with hands held high they clicked on a code that they want to join this family thank you for welcoming them into the family give them the grace to live a life that is right those of you who put your hands up it's just a simple confession and will you confess with me today I receive you Lord Jesus as my Lord and Savior Help me, God, to live a life that is pleasing to you. I declare by this confession that I am now a child of yours, part of your family. In Jesus' name. Amen.